to Punchboard Paradise, coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 74, the Punchboarders talk about some recent plays, we reach into the mailbag to answer a question, and finally review the new hotness in Beyond the Sun. Hey, everybody, I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. And I'm Richie. All right, guys, put it on the line right here. So who's winning the Super Bowl this weekend? Uh, I guess by the time people hear this, they'll know if yeah, we're right yeah. or wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> It'll be over. I think Kansas City has it easily. Ooh, I'm actually really? Easily. Yes, I, it, it's a home game for Tampa Bay. That doesn't it, matter. There's... They, yeah, Mahomes is just yeah. way better than Brady. Ooh. But Whoa, but man. I will say this. I do kind of wish Brady gets another win. What? I hey, one, I like greatness. If you don't like greatness, you're just a hater. <laughs> Two, you you you're sticking it to Belichick then, which I do like that. Huh? Okay. Really? I don't think yes. I think Tom Brady is just like a, a half a notch below Belichick, honestly, in my book. Wow. Well, if he wins this and Belichick's sitting at home, I'm just saying it's just a I you see, see what you're saying. You know what I, I would like I would like both of them to sulk and be upset. So I'm no, okay with that. I can't that. hate That's, on Brady. He's fine. Well, you know. Uh, he's questionable in my opinion. When he threw away his phone because he didn't want uh, anything to come out about that. Uh, Aaron, what's his name from uh, Florida, the the t- tight end. I was I was done. I was done with him. Yeah, when you don't want to be connected to a serial killer, yeah, that, <laughs> throw away your phone. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Seems like good advice. <laughs> oh, Board games. We're supposed to be talking about board uh, games. Oh, yeah. Let's oh, talk yeah, about yeah, board yeah. games. It's right, snowy right. here, and there's not much else to do. So yeah, You know, all right. So yeah. I'm really kind of excited. A game that we all three got to play not too long ago that I was really on my want-to-play list, Churchill. Well, yeah. Yes. This, this was a good one Ooh. because, you know, it was sort of like uh, Versailles 1919 is is heavy on your, on your list right mm-hmm. now, and uh, this is sort of an iteration, an original iteration by the Mark Herman. Yeah, so. absolutely. And, and uh, for those, it's a three-player only. Um, it's it's basically set at about the, starts about the middle of World War II when the superpowers of the Allies at the time, uh, you know, Stalin, Churchill, and Roosevelt started getting together in conferences and basically figuring out what they were going to, you know, what the wartime plans were and eventually what they were going to do after the war to kind of, uh, you know, split things up and do different things like that. The first part of the game is this conference where you are putting different issues up for debate. And then everybody has like a deck of cards, somewhat similar to like Twilight Struggle, where you're playing a card and it has a certain value and it may have something on the card that does something. And it moves one of these things closer to whoever, obviously you're playing either Churchill or Roosevelt or Stalin. And each player also has a certain power that they kind of have, but you're just going to be kind of moving these things back and forth. You're trying to win these issues. After that is finally over with, once you have whoever's won what issues, you're going to score some points if you win um, the the most issues in the in the conference. But then after the conference phase, uh, depending on you know what issues you won you're basically implementing them and then you're just kind of seeing what the resolution was where you you're going to put some offensive support markers down in some areas and you've got some other things going on like there's this a-bomb track that you're working on and different things that are going on and you just then kind of see what happens and unfortunately that part of that is just kind of rolling some dice uh, but you certainly have plenty of mitigation of what you can kind of do and then obviously your main goal in the game as the three of you is to defeat Germany and Japan, you know, the main two Axis powers. 
uh, at the end then see who scored the most victory points. So it's still a game that you're looking to win, but your main objective obviously is to to uh, kill the Axis. And uh, guys, we we failed. Yeah, you, you know. Yeah, pretty miserably. It's basically because we had Richie on our side and he didn't want to work with anybody. That's pretty much why. I think I was the only one really open. <laughs> you helped me out that one time. Yeah. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, the um, America was being a little stingy. Yeah, America was being a little stingy. Hey, America. <laughs> uh, it, this is a game that you... That you know, we've we've only I've gotten in maybe like one and a half to two plays. You know, I haven't haven't quite done full plays after besides our first one. But I feel like it's definitely a game where you have to have a lot of cooperation to make sure that you defeat the Axis. But yet you're obviously still trying to make sure that you're scoring points and that that you're winning. But you can't be all out for yourself. Otherwise, you're just you're not going to have uh, success. Well, and and one thing that I thought was interesting, Churchill, Stalin, and uh, FDR all have different small abilities, but you can definitely use those to your advantage. And those are important to know how to leverage during the game too. Another thing that sort of struck me halfway through the game was that playing good defense at the conference table is important. And the way to play good defense is, is actually a good offense. In, in other words, choosing a conference topic that you know one of the other powers wants and that you can manipulate that so that you make them use their actions to do that so that you're not caught on your back foot trying to respond to everybody else so much. Right. Yeah, and I can also see, once you know the game better, because obviously that was our first play, so we were really just kind of pulling levers, doing a lot more negotiation at the conference table. Yes. Which right, isn't necessarily right. built into the game, but... You'd have that where you're trying right, to offer like, things and let me have this one. Right. You know, I'll let you have that one, and then for that, I'll make sure that you get enough offensive support markers that you're going to be able to get through the lines or whatever type of thing. Yes, yeah, I definitely think that's where you know, and I'm sure in experience, it's that's probably what's going to happen. And especially us being more competitive players, that's just our natural. You know, no, I'm not going to let you get this or what. You know, even since we were found out in the long run, that's the way it was. I, I'm I can't wait to get this back to the table i found this to be a very intriguing game i definitely would say you know i find the conference part to be a little bit more intriguing than than the actual battle you know like i said that's almost just like a you're playing the game as the conference uh on the conference table and then the you know the theater of war whatever is almost just like okay now we've put everything here and now okay let's see what happens real quick and then we're back to the conference table Right. There's a lot of dice rolling on the battlefield, but you do have this sense of like, okay, did I put this tank in the right place? Uh, let's see what, let's see how the roll goes or did I, you know, but, right. but yes, there's, there's very momentary decisions there. Um, and then you just, like you said, you see how yeah. it plays out. And then who thematic. Oh my goodness. This, this game has got a lot of fun things in it. Um, it was a lot of fun. We're like one round into it, you know, FDR dies for Chad. So, and he's all of a sudden he's got to deal with Truman. Uh, you know, so that was, you know, very, you know, to the times, you know, I mean, obviously FDR died well, uh, there was, you know, World War II was still going on. And then, uh, Stalin, who I played for this round, you know, he's very paranoid. So every time you use Stalin, you have to roll to see if like he's paranoid and makes all his other people weaker, weaker. And then as uh, Churchill, you know, he was a very good debater. And so he's got like a kind of a leg up, but he also has to roll some dice because uh, he could have a heart attack. Yeah. He's yeah. drunk all the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I, I mean, I feel like consensus is excellent game. Definitely want to try to get it back to the table some more. 
Um, lots and lots of room to explore uh, this game. It's got a, got a lot of depth to it. And we played, we, you know, we played one of the shorter versions, which is also why uh, FDR died early because I died uh, according to an event card that was yes, played, yes. you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and consequently, the second event card was played, and that was FDR died too. So <laughs> he came back as a zombie and then died again. It was really disappointing. But, <laughs> you know, I, uh, but yeah, I, I actually liked. Uh, I mean, some people might want to play all the way through, but I actually like the snappier version. I didn't think we missed much by doing that and having a setup. Now, I can see that there would be something to be gained from setting up uh, initial positions, but I, I still got what I wanted out of out of the game that we played as well. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know if I would ever want to. Is it 10 conferences? Is that 10 conferences the full, full game? campaign Ooh. game? They say the tournament game is only 6 through 10. So okay. that would only be 2. We played the training, which was 8 through 10. So the... The tournament game is only two extra rounds, which I think that would probably be about right. Yeah, but you're yeah. still going to be, I mean, our three rounds still took us eh, maybe two and a half hours, maybe? maybe yeah. Three hours yeah. with the teach, you it's know about. what I mean? Um, which I'll honestly say, I didn't think the teach was all that, for me, it wasn't that hard for me to teach you guys. I had had a couple practice games and kind of learned a lot of things, and I felt like it was a fairly easy game to bring to you guys. And, you know, now a lot of that becomes to, a lot of these things we've played before, you know, it's like, oh, well, this is just like in Versailles or this is just like in Twilight Struggle. You know, I mean, there's some games that now, you know, we, we have reference to. So maybe that's part of it because it is a deep, it's a heavy game. It was actually one of the harder ones I had to learn just because it, I almost had to learn it backwards. I had to learn what was happening over in the theater part before I moved backwards towards the conference and, and so on and so on, which was kind of an interesting way to learn the game. Did you learn it through uh, GMT's like separate play? book thing the way they do that no i did not on that one um i actually I'll, I'll give a shout out to it's a it's a video series that this guy's name is ben harsh and um so that and heavy cardboard i both of those i watched and they both did that where they taught the game from you know backwards kind of the con- the uh the theater to the conference or whatever so but um if you ever are looking to play a one of these heavy games that you know I've been talking a lot about here lately, whether it's be a coin game or it's uh, you know one like Churchill, Ben Harsh does some of the most nicest informative videos. He like has pictures up on the screen and does just examples and stuff. He does a really really nice job. So um, yeah, so a big shout out to him. He was he was a big help to learn the game. So how do you spell that last name? Uh, just so for H A R S H. Okay, great. Yep. Like it and, sounds. And normal Ben. Yep. So perfect. Cool. Well, thanks for that resource. Yeah. yeah. I hope we get more plays of that. Well, Richie, what have you been playing lately? Uh, I picked up Unmatched, uh, Cobble and Fog, because I was watching a uh, Dice Tower video and Knox wandered into the room and he saw they were talking about it and he was kind of excited about the art and whatnot. Uh, but before I get into that game, I got a little, and Chad, you can just close your ears because I know you don't want to hear it. Oh. A little Age of Steam corner time. Real quick. We're going to, we're going to, right before we talk <laughs> about quick. this really exciting game yes. that you're about to talk about, we're going to hop in real quick and do some major Steam. Because this, okay. this past Tuesday, we got to play Westeros on Ooh. Tabletop Simulator. Yeah. Uh, myself, Jason, uh, Tim, and Joe. And I like Game of Thrones. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed the theme of the map. Uh huh. But gameplay wise, it may have been my least favorite map. It's tough. Yeah. I have played this one live. Mm-hmm. So. And it is definitely a that whole thing of the you know the the cubes or whatever the wildlings yeah, the, coming the down. Black, and you've gotta, yep. you got to stop them or whatever. Otherwise, they because nobody 
wants to go to go north yeah Yeah. to take away a thing uh an income try to go take care of them right it was absolutely yeah it was just terrible we were just every other round we couldn't build track okay and that that's why i just wanted to take a quick second because we experienced the exact same thing we didn't even get past the uh the no one even took the mary a a fray to get past the twins no to to get up there okay way too expensive and Uh if you go north there's no cities so you're just gonna go bankrupt anyways going up there so hold on so joe who's name on our slack channel is the north remembers yep was not in the north how's no. that possible <laughs> he he thought about doing it he said and he said this he thought about doing it just you know just to play with the map yeah. more yeah but honestly like at the beginning of the game there was nothing like going north would have he would have went bankrupt immediately and it's and it's and it's too lucrative down to in the red in the cities because yep. you get that double income delivering to uh, King's uh, was King's King, Landing. King's Landing, yeah. Well, and, I actually uh, don't think it was it was no Castle Black or I think Castle Rock. Oh, it's that's both. right, that's yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's like King's Landing and Castle Rock. That's right. Yeah. So you're getting that. So there was just no reason to go do it. Yeah. We just yeah. literally spent half the game just not building track every other round because we were like, Yep, we did the same thing. And then plus. It, Starting in round five, there's no goods phase. So then we were out of goods. There, we didn't even play the last round because there was no goods left on the map to uh, deliver. I know when we got done with that one, uh, my friend Brent, he uh, is that a, is that a I can't remember who did that map. Uh, James Mathis. Okay, I know he. I don't know. Tweeted him, messaged him, whatever mm-hmm. the heck he did, and asked him a whole bunch of questions because we had a whole bunch of things that were like, you know, like if you'd already went through the twins, could you do? I can't remember all the questions yeah, yeah, that we yeah. had, but there was just a whole bunch of questions that we had, okay. and I, I unfortunately I can't remember what the answers or what the specific questions, but I know we had a lot of problems with the map. So, um, I lo- like you said, I like it. The one thing I remember saying was, I think there's only is there two cubes that start up in. Uh, on the wall on the what do you, what do you call one it? cube just one cube just one up cube there. yeah so uh, you, someone has to skip one of their yeah. first move we were goods. like how about like maybe three cubes up yeah. there to start with so you have some time early on and then maybe to it would have been worth then, it okay, yeah. because and even that's more thematic you know it's not like the wildlings were attacking from the beginning right, of the show right, or right, whatever. Right. so um yeah, there you go a little ages team yeah, little man. all right uh so unmatched cobbler fog like i said uh nox had seen it on the on tv and he was interested by the the pictures and he's he said, hey, why, why can't we play that? And I said, you know what? I'm going to buy it even though you can't read and there's no way that you're going to be able to play this game. But I'll pick it up anyways when you're, you know, by the time you're nine, maybe you'll you'll be able to play it with me. Okay. So it's a it's a two-player. Uh, you can play teams, but I think it's meant just to be play, played as a two-player miniatures battle skirmish game, essentially. Uh, and the way that it works is that each of the box uh, sets that they have have a bunch of different characters. In Cobble and Fog, you get... Uh, Jekyll and Hyde, uh, Sherlock Holmes, Dracula, and the Invisible Man. Uh, so you'll pick whatever character you want to be. The board is a, just a little small board that's double-sided that has the arena, which in this one it's a mansion and then like London, something like that. But you'll put your characters out there and then some of them have sidekicks, but no matter what, you're going to get a 30-card deck that's uh, unique to your character. And on your turn, you can do, or you have to do, two actions. There's only three actions in the game. Uh, the first action that you could do is maneuver, which first you have to do is you have to draw a card out of your deck, uh, which is good because obviously it gives you more cards, but your deck, since it's only 30 cards, it's gonna, you can go through it pretty quick. And if ever you have to draw cards and your deck is empty, you immediately take two damage because you're exhausted. Uh, so you, the maneuver phase or the maneuver action, you'll draw a card, and then if you want, you can move your fighter. Uh, then the next action that you could possibly do is the scheme 
uh, action, which all that is is playing uh, one of your action cards. There are special scheme action cards that, in, that are in your deck. Playing one of those downs, it, it will let you uh, affect the other player. They can do a lot of different things. And then the last thing you can do for an action is attack, which then that will just trigger a battle, which you both pick a card. They have attack and defense on there. You reveal them. The difference, if there's anything gets through, the difference is what uh, the person would take. And then the game ends when one of you die. So, you know, I want to speed up Nox grown up so that I can play it with him. I played it with Jessica, and it's fine. It would have been better with Nox just because he would be excited. Mm-hmm. You know, someone at the table that's really excited to play it. So, yeah, it, it it's fine. It's a fine game. Uh, yeah, Cobble and Fog. I, you know, I would consider... <laughs> <laughs> I would consider borrowing this from you just because Finn likes Sherlock right now. He's heavily okay. into the TV show. Yeah, so I, just, I just see it, games right now are he he resists most of them except for he's he's really on me to do this D and D thing. So I got to figure out how to do that. But uh, but yeah, otherwise he doesn't really want to play games right now. So maybe okay. maybe I borrow it to yeah. see if you. I'll loan it to you. Knox is five. Thing. I just need it back in four years. <laughs> all right, that's all. <laughs> 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 Got a four-year four window to play, Chad. <laughs> uh, what have you been playing, Chad? Well, uh, we've been getting a couple of things played. Um, some some different games that uh, that we've been playing. Mostly, I'll talk about some two-player games that we've uh, been mm, playing. Yeah. One of them, Clef and I played uh, last last week, maybe a couple times or uh, once or twice um, yeah. a week or two ago, yeah. called The Shores of Tripoli by Kevin Bertram. Oh, that looked pretty cool. Richie, got to throw in the marine theme song right here. There we go. Chad took care of me. Okay. So that's really, and actually, that's kind of all I knew about about this period in history. I agree. I'm a big history fan, and I knew nothing of this time in history. So I was. it was exciting to kind of get to know this part of history yeah so uh you are one of two sides it's a card driven light war game here and you are one of two sides you're either the americans and and uh or the tripolitans and thomas jefferson you know there's even actually a letter in the box by the way this is a really lavish production for a war game it's beautiful yeah beautiful clef kept i couldn't get him to shut up about how beautiful the card art was because it really (laughs) is nice not only is the card art beautiful but the cards are linen finish and they're so nice Oh, I just wanted to play with them. Oh, they were so fun. <laughs> and you've got these frigates and these corsairs that are wooden, and mm, and yeah. you know, so it's nice. But what what it basically is going on, or this, uh, what's going on in this period of history, is uh, that the Americans are getting basically pilfered by the Tripolitans. The Tripolitans are uh, pirates, and they are stealing uh, stealing money from all these frigates that the uh, uh, that the um, so from these frigates that the Americans are, are running and, and shipping different things. So what the objective is in the game, essentially, is as the Tripolitans, you're trying to get, I think it's the 10 money. And for the Americans, you're basically trying to outlast, certainly, and uh, take over Tripoli uh, by yeah, a couple of different ways, a treaty, yeah, yeah. a treaty or kind of destroy them. Mm-hmm, yeah. And what I found, this, this is like right after the Revolutionary War and basically uh, British or the, you know, the Britain uh, Navy now said, too bad, America. Now you deal with your own, you know, issues. And that's where this kind of came about. And I thought that's really, you know, you don't even think about that type of stuff. 
But at the time, you know, obviously the British Navy used to protect all of our ships wherever they were. And now it's like <laughs> you're on your own. So, yeah, it was it was very interesting for that. Yeah. So you are basically taking cards. Uh, you get a certain number of cards from your deck. Each player has their own deck. Uh, and you are taking a certain number of cards into your hand and using those either for the action or the event. And some of these cards, when the event comes out and you use it, that's it. It's gone from your hand for the rest of the game. So it is very much about timing in that case. Uh, but you're also uh, you're also doing things where you attack. So if you move ships into certain shores or harbors, basically, you are trying to attack or at least blockade ships. So sometimes the Americans might want to move into a harbor and blockade uh, the Tripolitans or their allies from running and trying to uh, pirate the the ships out there in the in the ocean there. There are different points where you're going out and either trying to blockade or as the Tripolitans you're trying to to go out there and, and roll dice and take take money from the Americans. Yeah, yeah, basically you're trying to get past their blockades and and hop out 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 to the uh, out into the international waters basically and you know pillage and you know take money and stuff from you know other other people. So yeah, um I thought it was very like almost like as the Tripolitans, you are trying to hurry up and try to win the game as fast as you can. You're trying to get to that 10 money like quick as you can be. Where I think as the Americans, you were trying to kind of just kind of steady the storm and just trying to keep, hold the line until you got all your forces ready, until you got all your forces ready. And then you just came down and just kind of went city to city and just came through and kind of crushed me or whatever. So I thought this was a, a fascinating game. You know, it's it's a little light. I mean, don't expect, I mean, you're not getting, uh, I mean, this is not a heavy, heavy game by any lengths of the imagination, but it is, um, I'd almost in ways compare this to Twilight Struggle in the card play as mm -hmm. opposed to having a big map where you're just trying to put influence, you're actually doing actions, you know, and trying to either as the the Tripolitans, you know, you're trying to get the money and the Americans, you're obviously trying to stop them and then try to eventually defeat them. But you have the cards where if you play an event, you know, then it's out of the game. So you want to try to play those, you know, when it's now. Now, you don't have all the same deck. You have your own deck. So all your events are good for you. And then you all we all had special cards that we had in front of us that we could play when we were ready to play them like one of the one i had was like all of the ships go out and try to you know pillage or whatever and try to make money and yours was you know start the fight or whatever you know that you needed to do so so i thought that was interesting that you could use those cards too um and yeah i, I mean i i thought this was fascinating i'm i'm looking forward to playing this again yeah i think that uh what was really great about it is that it Kevin was really interested in the history and making an accessible game. I think uh, one of the interviews I saw him with, he was talking about, uh, you know, having a, a, a teenager sit down with their dad and play it and really enjoy it and pick it up relatively easily. Uh, I would say, if I'm being picky, that the uh, that the instruction manual or the game manual could be a, a little bit easier to grok and see. I mean, there's a lot of uh, text on there, and so to find things sometimes it doesn't quite come so easily. It was a little difficult for us sometimes when we would just be trying to look up a quick rule. It was like, okay, where is this at? I'm not sure type of thing. Yeah. But but all in all, it's not very rules heavy. I, I should mention there are six years that you're going to play over, basically, and then each one has a season allied with it as well, like uh, four seasons, and so you're playing uh, cards across those seasons in each year. And what makes it interesting as the Americans is you have cards that you cannot necessarily play right away. 
you are limited to later years. And that's why Clef had said, you know, if you if you're the Tripolitans, you want to press before the Americans get that advantage of playing some of those cards as they move across the map and try to take over Tripoli. Right. Right. So I don't know. I, I like I said, I really enjoyed this play. I'm not sure yet. I'd love to have a couple more plays. I, I've played it a couple times, and I'd love to have a couple more plays of it just to see. I mean, it, it might be one of those things where once you've got down the timing, like for example with the Americans, it may not play out much different because it is a little bit scripted in how when you can play some of those cards. Right. But it's still very interesting. And again, the, the with the rules investment, it's it's a fun, quick playing game. Yeah, and. And don't be mistaken, I mean, dice rolling is going to take a big part in the game. I mean, you certainly, you could get very lucky and and roll a bunch of sixes really early and, you know, type of thing. Or you could roll nothing but, you know, low numbers the whole game and, and never have any, have a chance. So there is that luck. I, I do wish, I, I kept wishing there was some more way to mitigate the dice, Um. There was only ways where I got more dice, but I never really had much of a way, for the most part, to mitigate the dice and, and try to do anything. And that was that was uh, one thing. But hmm. I'll tell you the one part, though, that was hilarious, Richie. All right. <laughs> so we're playing and Chad's like doing something and he's all excited. And he's like, I'm tacking here, blah, blah. And, all, and I play this card and all of a sudden I go. Uh, this card allows me to roll an extra 12 dice. <laughs> and Chad looks at me like, shut up. And I'm like, no, seriously, I show him. He's like, what? I roll an extra 12 dice. I'm rolling like four. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. You yeah. know, was like rolling all the, and the dice are nice. They're little bitty dice or whatever, but you got, you know, they, they roll nice. They're, they're not wooden. Plastic. So okay. They are plastic. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I, you know, I have to tell you, Richie, uh, because I haven't played very many of, of these kind of games with new clef. And mm. so as soon as we were like rolling for battles and he would have a, a bad roll, I was like on the edge of my seat. Like, yeah. uh-oh, are we going to, are we going to have to stop the game? Are we going to quit? What's going to happen? And it was, no, but it was a really, it was a fun experience. Yes. Luck of the die happens. But uh, when you're rolling a lot of dice like that, that there's yeah. more of a chance to, to almost mitigate it or something. And, and, yeah. you know, like I said, it, it, it's, it's a fun way to learn about the conflict. Yeah. I mean, this new clef, I might allow him to play Mansions of Madness second edition. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, uh, <laughs> I tried that Chronicles of Crime and about <laughs> myself. So I, I, I think I'm going to wait. Why are we waiting to ask that? Well, you just didn't like the scanning, though, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Scanning every card, I was just like, oh, my God. Mansions of Madness, you might be able to handle. I will say Shores of Tripoli definitely merits a play if you get the chance. He's also uh, one, one that I'm going to keep my eyes on. He's doing something about uh, women's suffrage and the vote. And so when that comes out. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That yeah. Really good. So I'm That's really interested when that comes out too. So it, what keep your it? eyes on. And what's the publishing company on this oh, one? Oh, thank you. It's uh, Kevin Bertram and Fort Circle Games. Oh yeah, definitely go pick this one up. All right, Chad. Now time to talk about the Brain Melter. I know. You know, and and Ooh. curious cargo. So our friend Ryan Courtney made Love this him. little Love two-player him. game. He's but way I, he's way smarter than us. He well, he is way way like, smarter. Yes. Way, smarter. Way, way, I mean, way. way smarter than you for sure. <laughs> yeah. well, that's not hard. <laughs> I mean, he he may talk like this with this really low voice, but he you know, it's a surprise. He is I, I, he he made this game to melt your brain. Yeah. That yeah. is the truth. All right. Anyways, tell us a little bit about Curious Cargo. So, uh it, it is an iteration and by the way, if you want to learn a little bit more, I'm just going to give a shout out to podcast Board Game Barbecue. He's on there just recently talking about his designs and iterations talks about how he likes to uh design things in in triples basically and so this was kind of alongside uh 
uh, pipeline, but he was designing this. And it just takes the tile laying from pipeline and makes it into a two-player game in which you are trying to make connections of shipping and receiving on both sides of your board. So you will draw tiles and you'll lay those tiles out. You have two different kinds of goods. And uh, during the game, you're going to be laying these pipe tiles out to either side of your board so that uh, these truck cards that you lay out, um, these trucks will come to the different sides of your board and receive the, the things once the pipes are connected from your machines. So you will ship these goods out, and then if you push the cars, basically if you get more trucks, you push the trucks, they will move on to your player's board, and your player can then receive them if they have the requisite hookups on their board. So you basically have, uh, kind of like Pipeline, you have these blue and uh, red, pinkish sort of tiles, and those are your pipes. Those are your connections. Now, there's a advanced variant that is much harder, that has three different kinds of goods, but I, I wouldn't even try that at this point. Um, but you are basically going back and forth, trying to place tiles and then place trucks and try to ship and receive things. Now, it's very interesting, though, because you can place trucks at the receiving end or, uh, of your other opponent's board so that it moves the trucks along that they're trying to load up sometimes. And that would, A, get the trucks to come to your board where you can receive the goods that they have shipped or... Uh, it just kind of moves them along anyway, and they can't load stuff on. So there's a fair amount of interaction, and really that's where the game is at, is responding very tactically to what you get with the tile draw, what you get with the truck card draw, and then what your opponent is doing and how to respond quickly to that. But man, this is a brain melter. What did you guys think? I know you've played it, Richie. Yeah, it was good. It, it, you definitely have to play with someone who does not mind being... I mean, because you are going to be aggressively pushing mm -hmm. your your opponent, their their trucks. So you got to play with someone who does not mind being frustrated, because that that can be frustrating, especially with how hard it is to you know get your your pipes aligned into the edges the way that you want them to be. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, you 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 got to play with someone who's willing to handle that. But yeah, it, otherwise, it's a solid game. I mean, this game is is a masterpiece. You know, I mean, this game is a very well put together game. I just don't know if I'm smart enough to play it. And I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, even be funny about that. It is it's tough. And you know, I've heard things of, you know, you got to be making sure to, you know, uh, when you're putting your uh, putting the pipe out, you've got to make sure to lay it on top of other pipe, you know, you can't just think one dimensional. And I don't know if I'm you know, that that's really tough for me because most games obviously you don't lay tiles on top of other tiles. And then not only is it tough to figure out how exactly to get all these different lines that you're trying to hook up onto both sides, but then you've got to figure out when to get the truck there, make sure to get it loaded. Then you got to try to get it moved around and then you got to have the shipping so that you're pushing the other person. So then you get it unloaded. There is, I mean, this game, don't think of this as a light game. Like, it is not light. And Ryan, I think, uh, did that on purpose. Like, it comes in the same size box as Watergate, and he wanted to show, like, look, you can put a small box, uh, two-player box game mm -hmm. out and have it be really thinky. And this is, you know, this is exactly what it is. And like I said, I know for Ryan, when people have a hard time with it, you know, it's kind of like for Ryan, I think it's much easier. But it is a hard game, and you do... You can score zero points in your first couple of plays of this game because if you don't ship four goods, two of each color, you're not even eligible to win. Yeah. Mm. And 
two of the ways that this game ends is if the pipe tiles run out or the trucks run out. And that can definitely happen in your game. Now, you can also hit the top of the player order track by making like 10 connections, which is huge. Or Good you luck. can, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you can ship enough, uh, ship and receive enough things. I think that you hit the stars on those sure, on your board sure. and that, that will do it too. Um, it should be noted too that these trucks are all different sizes, so they're going to be different sizes. It's not the same size truck that are coming onto your board, and certain spaces are just blocked off. Like, oh, this truck has the third spot on the truck blocked off for whatever reason. So yeah. why, Ryan? Why? Why is it really blocked off? It's hard enough without that. <laughs> but I, I will say what Clef. I will echo what Clef said. There's a lot of things that we're not used to when we play this uh, game that it just doesn't feel natural sometimes. So you're building stuff, but you can't get too precious with your pipe connections. For instance, if I need to ship a whole bunch of things uh, in order to win the game or move out front, I need to build over some of the connections I've already gotten. And sometimes if you already have a connection, that can be good and you you don't, but you it doesn't feel like that's what you should well, be doing. Yeah, but it seems like every time I'm, oh, like, oh, I could build over this one, but then I'm ruining the one I already have. And right. I'm like, I don't want to ruin the one I already have. <laughs> yeah, so we, it's like you want to be cumulative, but sometimes you have to do the best play uh, with the tile lay for the moment. So it's really tricky because you can't get too precious with it. Timing is important. Uh, you, you, just imagine somebody like a world-class like chess player or something like that, and they just have their, he their head in their hand and they're just sitting there studying the board, right? For like five minutes or whatever, right? That's how I had to play this game. It just seemed like I just, my head was down. And I was playing against a player who I think is a pretty smart guy. I mean, uh, you know, Brent is a pretty smart guy when it comes to games. And he was in the same boat. You know, it was like, this is difficult. It is not an easy game to play. However, like I said, I think it's masterfully done. I mean, I think a wonderful game. Well, and that's the thing. This is the kind of game I would recommend to play of it. But this is the kind of game that... A, it's not for everybody, and B, in this age of, ooh, we got to play new games, everybody play new games, you can't play it once and enjoy it. No, you don't want to play it a bunch. No. You got to play it a bunch of times more. and you yep. will get better at it. In fact, and, and when you, here's the thing, when you don't play it well the first couple times, this isn't even like Pipeline. Like in, in Pipeline, when you don't play well, you'll still get a score. You know, you still have some money <laughs> yeah, or something, yeah, right? Yeah. Even if you have a bunch of loan cubes, yeah, yeah. you could get no score in this game. And it, and your first couple plays, if you do that, it doesn't feel good. It's not like a Russian railroads where, you know, Clef could beat me by 300 points, but hey, I still scored 300 points. Sure, sure. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily feel great. So you got to get past those first couple plays. I, I will give you the analogy here. Um, so it rewards it rewards repeated plays, but it doesn't come to you easy. Uh, right. My my friend is uh, he says basically dog owners are insecure, right? They they just they basically need to be loved, and that's why you're a dog owner. A cat could could not care about you at all, and you know the people that are really secure with themselves own cats because cats could give an f about you, and basically don't you know they'll come to you later on. You got to work at a cat. Dogs are are easy, so. I think this game is kind of a cat. It's kind of a cat. Wow. And, uh, that was you a know. long analogy to, to, get to, that, to get to that spot. But I would say that if you're the type that has a dedicated two-player gamer to play games with, I would I would check this out, especially if you want to get a lot for your money because, I don't know, I think it's $30 price range, something around there in the mid-30s, and you will get a lot of plays uh, – in this game and it's going to reward what you put it, into it. And I do, I, you know, what you're saying is, is a very, is a very, very good point. Cause a lot of games nowadays, 
even some big box euros, you play them in the first time. You're like, okay, I get it. You know, right, I right, get, right. I got to go do this to turn this into this to go do this. There's not a lot to it. And this game is not, yeah, you're not playing this one time and going, I get it. It's, it's just not going to happen. So I did just think of a wonderful, like a uh, Patreon, like uh, benefit that we could have. We could have, we could watch a game of Car- Curious Cargo, Ryan Courtney versus Chad. Ooh, I like that idea. <laughs> that's not, that's we'll get that set up. For anybody. That's, <laughs> that's like, amazing. That's like, uh, yeah, we could watch uh, uh, an MMA fight between Conor McGregor and Clef. Like, come on. How hey, fun is that? I might run faster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all, all right. right. Well, that was Capstone Games and Ryan Courtney, Curious Cargo. All right. Let's do a little mailbag, shall we? Yeah. Let's, let's reach in there. All right, fellas, we got a question from Jamie Roof in our Slack chat, and it is, what are your thoughts on addiction and obsession in board gaming? Uh, This is something that I feel very conscious about, especially when I go through acquisition phases or when non-gamers see my collection shelf. I think that's your first problem, Jamie. Cut anyone, including loved ones, out of your life if they're not into board games. (laughs) Step one, that's going to solve a lot of your problems. All right, uh, <laughs> moving on from but, mailbag. All right. <laughs> uh, well, I I get what he's saying. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly, people who are non gamers, if they see a collection that is obviously anything like the three of us, they are going to be like, "Oh, what the heck is wrong with this person?" You know, because it's it's not a it's obviously not a normal thing for people to see, even since you know. To me, um, you know, I can spend $40 or $50 on a board game. I don't go out to the bar and spend 40 or $50 drinking, you know, once a week, you know, so type of thing. So I, I think it's just a, I don't think there's an addiction. I think it's just, if it's something you enjoy and you want to do it, then I think you're fine. As long as you know, you're not, you know, not being able to pay your house, you know, payment or something like that. That would be my first thought. And that's what I would tell people is, Hey, this is how I spend my money. I don't do these other things or whatever else that you, you know, might do type of thing, but I don't know. It is, uh, it's really important, you know, to kind of have some limits, of course. And this is an interesting question. In fact, I asked this once I, I wrote into the Dice Tower and I, I think that they, they don't really want to talk about any negative, negative stuff about gaming. So they don't, they didn't acknowledge or answer my question ever. But I think that, uh, you know, it's interesting. If you get on some of the forums, there's a lot of people joking about like, oh, I hid this from my wife or I didn't, you know, didn't tell my wife or a meme about, you know, my wife when she sees that I got this or that. Um, so hiding those purchases and stuff. Yeah, there's a, you know, there's a compulsion thing there. And then you want to figure that out. You know, obviously, I think with some of those obsessions and stuff, there are often underlying issues as well. But this can definitely lead to that. I think one thing that really contributes to that with board games as opposed to something like video games is FOMO, which is which is real with board games because you just have singular printing sometimes of board games because of the way it is. You you on, honestly feel like there's less scarcity of a certain video game out there that gets pretty popular than there is of a board game. And then, you know, 
later you missed out and it's on the aftermarket for three hundred dollars and you 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 know you're still thinking about it or do I spend this or so I think the board game hobby itself sometimes lends itself to that unfortunately but uh, it's it's a consideration that heightens that uh, obsessiveness I think yeah I mean there's definitely a lot of hype in board games which pushes you know that FOMO but I mean honestly. And I was just kidding about the, you know, cut everyone out of your life. <laughs> just just <laughs> doesn't like board games. <laughs> um, I've never had any negative reactions from someone who's not in board games. Usually they're just curious because no matter what, I mean, most people have grown up playing games with their family in some facet. Sure. So yeah. it, it's usually not that odd um, for most people when they see it. Obviously, it's a, it's a large collection. We all have very large collections but um yeah as far as the addiction part of it yeah if it's something that it is a problem um you know try to get help with that uh but like my, me personally i have a, a budgeted amount that i have for my own discretion i can do whatever i want and for me it goes to board games because that's what i do that's my that's my hobby and so, richie you've said too you have a board gaming account essentially when that has money in it you kind of get to spend your melatonin yeah, the way you want to basically exactly and <laughs> i mean sometimes you may take gift cards from your wife but uh, most well, of the time yeah. <laughs> yeah. hey we I, I i paid back that gift card <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, in all fairness though richie you are a pretty big guy so anybody that does have a negative reaction might not actually voice it <laughs> anyway so this is true <laughs> I liked what uh, Evan said in our uh, Slack chat. I don't know if you guys got to see this yet, uh, but he goes through the the different phases of like joining oh, I the did board. Read this. It was <laughs> yeah. So true. Yeah, I'll read so that out. That's, that's actually interesting. Uh, so he said, "Phase one. What is all this stuff? Interesting. There's a whole world that I didn't even know about. Which I would say that's yep, exactly, exactly what, what I happened had. to me. Yep. Uh, then phase two. You buy every game that appeals to you, like every game, and you join 17 game groups to play them, and you post about them on all 57 different Slack channels." Uh, then phase three, hey, not all these games are great. What gives? You use the Slack channels to complain. And then uh, finally, phase four, uh, you stop posting on Slack, stop posting on BGG, sell 80% of your games, and just play your favorites over and over. Uh, and he's pretty much at stage four, which I think I'm, I'm entering stage four. <laughs> well, it's one of those things that we, and we still are in some ways cult of the new, but we, I think the more you see, the more you understand how it works and how they're built on top of other things and that they're much more the same. And so you're just kind of looking for those few things that you enjoy that are different. Sure. So that I think it gets to that. But yeah, overall, there's certainly a propensity for those things. Again, as as Richie said, like if that's an issue, you, you know, you owe to yourself and to your significant other to you know have those discussions make sure you can be responsible those kinds of things because it's important to be healthy like well, i said often with obsessions there's an underlying thing that you need to address too and i think that you know i think there's two type of people that buy board games there's game players and there's collectors because there are certainly people out there that buy games and then they just sit on their shelf and they don't ever play them. And, you know, there's certain they don't even take them out of the shrink wrap, which I, I don't get. But, you know, that's just some people just don't do that. And then obviously there's board game players. And like for me, like I I do buy a lot of games. OK, and 100 percent, I will readily admit I buy a lot of games. Sometimes I don't even do a research on them. Somebody says, hey, this game is good. I'll buy it and I'll try it out. And for me, that is but I will always play it. And but for me, that's what I like to do. And then I am not afraid, however, to get rid of games. I have no problem selling games that are that I don't like. And, you know, obviously, then you, I can use that money to buy new ones or doing trades or anything like that. And so maybe that's the next step is 
you know, are you doing it just simply so you can have a game on your shelf or are you doing it because you really are looking forward to playing the games? Well, and sometimes right. there's the opportunity, right? Like, so you plan on getting it and, and hope to play it, but, you know, then you have to be real with yourself about whether it gets played or is going to get played. Yeah, if, yeah, if you have the game group, yeah. So yeah, And especially early on, too, when you start buying games, like when you start showing people and you get other people interested, then you start thinking of other games that might they might like as well as so you start buying those games sure. where in reality... They just want to play that game that you just showed them. Yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> right. And that's Why all they want to play. play. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, we've only played that three times. Yeah, exactly. They just want to keep playing uh, it. No, so. we're moving on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I try, my, my brother-in-law is starting to get in games. He has three games in his collection. And uh, he, he ended up picking up Blood Rage, even though I told him. It's like, I have Blood Rage. I have everything for it. If you ever want to play it or borrow it, you can just take my copy. You don't need to buy a copy. And he bought a copy anyways, which... I would do the same thing. <laughs> when I first got into the hobby, I would have done the exact same thing. I'm just now getting to the point now where if one of you two buy it, I don't buy it until I actually play it. And even after I play it, it has to be something that I know I'm going to play at my own house right? Sure. for me to pick it up. I just I remember when I first started getting into the hobby, I would go to cool stuff every single day. And if there was any close to a Euro-y type of game, I wouldn't know anything about it. If it was the deal of the day or whatever... I'd buy the deal of the day every single time, and I'd get these games, and oh boy, bad. Some of them were bad. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why they're on a deal usually. Yes, yes, yeah, this this I yeah. Know, the no, deals but... forum on BGG is a dangerous place if you're in that acquisition phase. Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah, it is. So as soon as oh, you see some pop up, you just order it immediately. Yeah. yeah. What if this goes out of print? This is uh, yep. and this yeah. has got to be the lowest I've ever seen it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's a good question. Something that uh, that is good to think about. And uh, thanks to Jamie for asking the question and for contributing all right fellas it is time to review beyond the sun beyond the sun by rio grande and dennis chan designer is a game about moving from earth which has kind of died out to colonize other planets and uh, expand into space. So players uh, are going to be doing this expansion through a combination of worker placement and action selection, uh, where you research technologies and explore and control and colonize faraway planets. So players are going to have sort of a singular action pawn that at first is used to research new technologies using resources or moving around in space to control planets. Uh, the resources are generally ore and population, and uh, goods that are on your inset player board can be cleared off in a specific systematic fashion to help you produce more population or more spaceships as you go. This is used in the form of the inset board and some custom dice. So you have these cubes that can be turned on different faces. You never roll these die, but they have, again, the population or the generic good or the different powered spaceships, one, two, or three. Uh, at the end of your action from your singular worker placement, you will then produce. So you're choosing either ore production or population. And depending on how many of the discs that you have pulled off your player board, you will produce that many ore or population. As you research technologies, new pathways and worker placement spots are opened up that also allow for more efficient resource conversion, point generation, and better tech or even stronger military ships for control of the planets. When you're doing the planet control, population die or cubes can be converted to different powers of military ships, as we discussed, depending on the action and the resources. The ships 
have control of a certain planet if they move into the planet card and have a majority based on the number on that ship. Colonization then is a different separate action in which it requires a player to have a majority on a planet card, but also a numerical combination of ships that meets or exceeds the number on the card. That planet is then put into their tableau for endgame points and usually an ongoing or one-time ability. The game lasts for a variable number of rounds and the end game is triggered when a fourth player disc is placed on one of the four end game community scoring objective cards. Highest points wins and that is a fairly high level rules overview for Beyond the Sun. Let's start with art and components for this game. What did y'all think about art and components? Uh, the components are fine. Uh, they're pretty standard. I mean, really, I mean, outside of your player board, your your pawn that you're using to move around and take your actions is very basic. Uh, but I do like the player boards. They're very nice. They're the inset, so you, your pieces sit in there. Uh, as far as art goes, the I love the, the box cover. Great art there. And then it just kind of... The rest of it's basically just iconography, and there's really not much art on the board. Uh, there's really no art on your player board or anything like that. Yeah, so. very stark. Kind of stark. Yeah, yeah, that's what I kind of said. I would agree with you. The box cover is beautiful, but the game is yeah, yeah, just stark. Yeah, it's very plain. But I would say, even in the sense of a splatter, that you have to be able to see very quickly which technologies lead to other technologies sometimes to get to a certain technology you have to have uh two other prerequisites and they don't always line up completely and so that's important to see which way the lines flow and i feel like if there were things overlaid on top of that uh it Could might be confusing be, yeah, yeah it might yeah. be it might it might be hard sure. to track sometimes yeah, good point i do agree that it is fairly bland not in color palette but just in in, in art, it's just kind of very yeah. plain for, for the style. But again, I might argue that it enables you to quickly see it, where you're going. And quite honestly, you know, I say that, but I'd rather that than say something like uh, uh, Agra. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. Agra, yeah. where it's beautiful, but which way goes what to this? To right, that? right, right, right. That's know, a that great, was... that is an absolutely great comparison. Yeah. And also with the, the size of the footprint of the game, like especially since you have to look like way over on the other side of the board, if it was a bunch of stuff going on, it'd be it'd be tough to see what what's going on. Yeah. Now I, I will say, and, and, and you know, and obviously I I didn't play test this game and be able to tell you if they did anything, but I almost felt like the board could have been a little bit smaller, so it wasn't because it is a giant long board, and then there's another sub board, you know, which obviously we'll talk about in a moment. But I'm just talking graphically and you know art wise here. That board's way over there, so if you're at the other end of the table, boy, that other board is going to be really hard for you to know what's going on over there, or for that matter, as the technology start moving down the board, it's like oh, I, it's harder yeah. to see what's going on. On there so i almost just tighten it up it a little bit a little bit tightened up a little bit you know just to make it a little more accessible to to the whole table which, and plus I, if I you play the advanced game then you also have the the technologies the the possible incoming technologies so as you're well. even expanding so even more even space is being taken yeah. up and that's an interesting thing that we'll talk about momentarily in gameplay but an advanced variant is instead of drawing as you move to new spots and technologies open up you will draw off 
in the standard game, you'll draw off the top of a deck until you get two of the colors that matched up to the technology that you came from and get to choose as that player what's going to be laid out for everybody. Uh, in the advanced variant, you will see uh, a map of oncoming technologies for each level and each color. So you can plan a little bit more in advance and and uh, kind of race to certain things if you want to or lock people out in certain ways. But yes, uh, it's tough. It's tough to know, right? Because, you again, you have to have those lines that connect the cards. And if the cards are smaller, then the type has to be smaller. And the, the type has to show you what the worker placement sp spaces are. I, it's tough. Yeah. I, I see what you're yeah, saying, but I, it, I don't know what... what... Like, yeah, exactly. They may have playtested that. It might have been the, the issue that if it was too small... Then somebody said, well, I can't read the cards, you know? So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a double-edged sword, sword there. Yeah. But it, it is interesting to think about, and that, and we'll get to it, but that may play into player count as well uh, for an issue. So, okay, well, uh, that's that's art and components. Let's talk about the gameplay, which for us is always the meat of the game. Clef, uh, anything that stood out to you with gameplay and Beyond the Sun? <sighs> stood out? No. I mean, this is a pretty basic game. You are literally... You know, getting a technology that then lets you do whatever, and then you're going to be trying to bounce to the next technology that lets you do, you know, something else new. But there's nothing really special about this. I obviously see what they were kind of going for. You know, it's, uh, you know, oh, we got a lot of games out there where, you know, you have technology as kind of a an extra thing or whatever. And they're like, hey, what if we made a whole game just about, you know, trying to advance your tech tree or whatever? They did a fine job with that. Um, you know, but anything special no i thought it was a very very basic game and you know it didn't feel like there was you know after a couple of plays of it you know i felt like i really kind of know this game i mean there wasn't really much that's like a ooh, i wonder if i tried this what would happen type of thing um yeah i don't know richie what did you did you what was your thoughts on it um i'm kind of in the same camp it is one of those things where you, i mean you're trying to balance the going up the tech trees and also the area control because taking over the planets and colonizing them you can get a lot of points out of that and then you're also trying it depends on what uh, objectives come out at the beginning of the game as far as what you're going to be pushing more but you really can't ignore either side you have to at least work on a little bit of both and i mean that's really about it the, the technologies are going to change every game as far as where they come out in uh, and if you play the standard game Obviously, there's going to be a little bit of luck as far as what you're drawing. It may or may not work out for you as far as for what the next technology is going to be. Uh, with the advanced game, um, I like the idea, uh, although I and I told this, uh, I think me and Chad were talking about this when we were, when we played it together for the first time. It's like I like the idea of the advanced game of having those technologies out to see those things, but it really only matters. And obviously, that's what and this is what Chad was saying is that. This is for advanced players, for players who play this so much that they know all these cards. Um, I just don't know if this has enough plays for me to get to that point because it feels very samey after you've played it a while. And even though the technologies move around, they're, they all pretty much do the same kind of things. Yeah, it, it's different efficiencies for different things, which right. you have to pay attention to, I think, there. Uh, the other thing is when those objectives come out, two that are always out are you colonized, I think, four planets and you have reached level four technology, which is the highest technology you can reach. Uh -huh. So you are always incentivized to get either of those, which is important for that game because it, it balances it. You know, if one were to come out more than the other. So, but, but what's interesting is those, uh, 
technologies are revealed in different ways. Sometimes they link up in different ways. You might have a strategy to go heavy technology, but it has to open up in certain ways, either in the cards or in the worker placement spots that open up through events. So one thing we didn't talk about is as you research a new technology, there are event cards on the space. And the person who has researched that technology reads out the event card and does the action. Sometimes those are uh, point scoring opportunities for everybody at the table. Sometimes they're bad things that make technologies cost more. And sometimes they are opening up certain spots that let you do other actions. So it does definitely depend on what you what comes up in the game. You're, you're definitely playing that part. One thing that I did like about this game, though, is not just the worker placement interaction, but the vying for area control of the planets out on the board. That did help the game be a little bit more interesting. I think that you could kind of take stuff away from people and because otherwise you can combo actions sometimes if you're planning on, okay, I'm going to get to put this disc out. That'll get me this power. That power will let me do this. And if you're really watching your opponents, you can kind of slow them down by taking back control of the system. So one one thing we talked about was control, which you just have to be, you know, have the most in an area versus colonization, which you have to be able to take over the area with enough power uh, that is on the card or more, basically. And so those are two separate actions. So you can set up control to have colonization in the next round, but people can see that and take control away from you before you can colonize again. So there's some interaction there that, that makes it a little bit more interesting, I thought. On to uh, variability in this game. Uh, guys, what did you think about variability for Beyond the Sun? Well, like I said, the the technology is always going to come out in different places. The the beginning technologies, there's only four of them. So, I mean, there's the, the mix-up on those is not going to be that great. But beyond that, the actual technologies and the event cards are going to be in different places. But like I said, it's they all feel about the same to me. Yeah. So it's it's technically the variability is on the higher side, but it feels so similar the the different technologies that it it felt very samey to me, and it it took it down a notch for me. Where I would say it's you know just average variability. I, I would say average at best because like it's yes they're you know they may have a different card that has a technology, but the the actions are all still the same type of things you know it's just maybe this one you do two of this and three of that or four of this and two of that you know it's just there's not that much difference i didn't feel like it yeah. i mean you're gonna be doing the same thing in the game every time yeah. you're gonna be moving down the tech tree and colonizing planets uh, it's just for me i mean this is a game that you know you play a couple of times and you're not going to get much different out of the game so which Maybe just fine for some people. Some people might really like what it's doing. But, you know, yeah, variability-wise, I would say average at best. Yeah, I, one thing that does increase the variability that we didn't talk about is there are asymmetrical player boards that are also included, which are separate from the regular player boards. And those have separate abilities that you can play with, which are which can make the game a little bit more interesting. So that's one thing to kind of consider uh, in that. But uh, again, I wouldn't say much more than average variability just based on all the stuff that is in the game, even with all the different cards and events and, and objectives that can get placed out. It's good that they added all that because, like Richie said, it does feel somewhat the same in that comparison. Let's We kind of already touched on replayability, I think. So let's talk about player count. Uh, have you guys had a chance to play this at different player counts? I've only played it at two and three. 
um, and I've mainly played it at two with Jessica. And honestly, two is <laughs> is all I want, just because then I can sit in the middle and I can see the everything that's out there. Uh, whereas when we played our three player game, and I'm kind of off to the right corner, there's several times I had, had just had to get up and go over to the exploration board and look to see what cards came out, just because I I could not see it from where I was sitting, and I was tired of asking Chad to have to look over there every time I needed to know something. So. Uh, two for me is good enough. Uh, the interaction on the exploration board, because it, it's double-sided. So you have a side for the two-player. It's a little bit smaller, uh, a little tighter. Yeah, I, I just prefer it at two just because it's much easier to play at that at that player count. Uh, well, you know, I've only, actually only gotten to play it at three. Um, I, I mean, three was seemed good to me. Um, I, I don't know, two would lose a little bit with the area control and the planets and such like that. Um, you're going to lose a little bit there. Do they do they have any two player variants when you play with the with the planets or anything or is it still just just the board flips and uh, there's three smaller. planets I believe that are out at three a time three planets and just one extra station okay so it's where yeah. so it's so kind it's of it's tightened up it, for it's, sure. yeah it does a good job there so but um, four I don't think I want to spend that long playing this game to play it at four would would just be my but haven't played it but I just that would be my first thought of I'm just waiting longer to make my my move and and having to wait more time and i don't think there's a lot of you'd have maybe a little more battling for the planets you know there'd be a little more there but not enough for it to make it worth it the extra time i would think you are correct uh i played it (laughs) 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 i played it at two three and four um i thought four took longer than i wanted it to we played with the advanced variant then too because i was the the noob at the table for four uh, so everybody kind of had played it a few times and wanted to play with seeing the technologies come out, which was fine. I don't, I don't really have a problem with that. You do have to really, you know, walk around or really look around the board to know what's going on. But I will say that, yeah, three is probably its sweet spot, but it doesn't seem to lose anything at at two at all. So it's not like one of those games where you have area control and you're just like, well, you can play it at two, but it's not as good. It's fine. It's it's fine if you want if you want to play this and own it just as a two player game. It, it it works and it's fine and and it moves quick if you you know if you take your turns quick. So I think three is probably optimal, but two is very good. Good. Well, let's put a bow on this and uh, give our final scores for Beyond the Sun after Richie updates everyone on our Punchboard Paradise scale. So at Punchboard Paradise, we rate on a six-point scale with a one being a game that makes you miserable and a six being a game that could possibly be in your top ten of all time. Uh, you know what? I'm going to start. You Let's, start. We're okay. going to start with me. We'll go to Clef, and we're going to end with Chad. I think, I think I'm predicting it going up from there. I want to okay. end on a, a better right. note. All right. So what do you got, Richie? Uh, so for me... I, I bought a copy of this when we were planning on uh, reviewing it. I no longer own that copy. And it is a game that I would say, because this is a first design, right, as well? It is, yeah. He, he, is, a, he is a first-time designer. I think he's, it sounded like he's fairly new to board games, too. He lives in the Boston area, and uh, he's some sort of like chemical or computer engineer. I don't know. Nice. Smart guy. For a first design, I think this is a solid design. Uh, it's a good game. And uh, but for me right now, especially with my collection and the all the culling that I've been doing, I just don't have room for good games. It is a basic worker placement game coupled with a, a basic area control game. And I, I just can't recommend the game just because I think most people, if they bought this, you're going to play it a handful of times and then it's going to sit on your shelf. 
and because there's so many other games that would make it to the table before this would. Ultimately, for me, it comes in at a three. It's I, I never was miserable playing the game. That's why I can't give it a two. Uh, I I was if someone really pushed and they wanted to get this to the table, fine. Uh, but I would never uh, call for it myself. And then obviously, like I said, I've already gotten rid of it out of my collection. So I'm coming in at a three. So you make an interesting point, and you know as you know, as we develop in the hobby and, and things change and, you know, we joke about new clef and everything, but good worker placement Euro games no longer give me an excitement, you know? So I want everybody to take this rating and this, you know, this, what I'm going to say is a grain of salt because this is just really not a game that I, I need a Euro game right now to do something special. And, you know, we, we talked last time on the podcast about how we played Darwin's Journey and there, there was there was a light, there was an excitement, you know, that was like, oh, this is mm-hmm. a cool game. This game did not give, you know, it just didn't give me anything. I played it, you know, a couple of times and I just said this, it doesn't, I don't have any desire certainly to own it. I don't have any desire to play it again. Um, if someone was to say, hey, let's play this game, I am going to say no. You know, I'm, I'm going to look for something else. I There's too many great games that I want to play over it. So like I said, take this rating with a grain of salt, but I just have to give this a game of two. I wasn't miserable playing it necessarily, but it certainly didn't give me anything that I want out of a board game besides the social action of, you know, social interaction, having fun with my friends, but the game itself didn't do anything for me. So I just, I got to give it a two. Now for somebody who likes the lighter weight Euro games and that's something I think this is a solid game. So don't say, take my two, you know, this is like me giving Root a one, you know, it's a great game, just maybe it's not for me. Well, I mean, New Clef would probably give it a four or five, but <laughs> we'll have to see. But even when does the re-review come up for Root? <laughs> I think we, I had think we it. already did it. We already yeah. did it? It was okay. before, right, yeah. Good. We should do it. We should look back again at it. <laughs> <Two years ago. laughs> I don't know if I want to look back at another Clef. But <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Even if it, even if someone who really likes like mid-weight worker placement games, there's so many better ones that's the thing that's my there's great ones and then yeah. there's just this average stuff that's out there and you know hey maybe this designer first time he out of the gate maybe his next design will be you know much better you know well and people are talking quite a bit uh about it feeling uh you know a little bit different because you're you know the tech tree is the game sort of thing but honestly I guess I can give my review now. You, yeah, you yeah, you're, you're up. But, yeah, you're but up. honestly, I would say, you know, if we're talking about Lords of Waterdeep, it's not that much different from buying a building of Lords of Waterdeep and putting it out there for people to go on. Yeah, totally. Well. Exactly. Yep. So uh, you the, the thing that is a little bit different is tacking the area control on. But it doesn't, I think that helps it, certainly, because it, it provides some interaction that you want in that game and uh, ways to kind of slow down each other. But... Uh, ultimately, I have to side with Richie here. This is a fine game. It does not do anything uh, poorly at all, and it is a it's a great first design. But uh, it wasn't anything that, after a few plays, I was excited to explore. I had figured out some of the ways uh, to use efficiencies, even if uh, certain cards didn't always come up, 
And uh, so it wasn't that big of a, of a change for me from game to game. I would give this game a very high three, almost a four, but I kind of think, you know what, in a year, it's just going to come down to a three anyway. So it's going to be a three plus for me. So that's that's what I'll give it, a three. Do we, do we have three pluses <laughs> no. in our rating system? <laughs> it's a three. Uh, I was thinking, I, I was going back to my manual muscle testing physical therapy, so I'm going to give it a three plus there. Okay, so to wrap it up, to put a bow on it, uh, Dennis Chan's first design and uh, publication by Rio Grande Games, Beyond the Sun gets from us a two from Clef and a three from Richie and I. There you have it. We're going to look back at our review of Yinshi from Spielworks Games and Rola and Kostya. Hey, Punch Bunch. Are you tired of having all your resources and chits all over the table? Well, do I have a solution for you? Magnetic hex trays from 3D Bitspace. They will keep your table organized and be a huge space saver. So head on over to 3dbitspace at etsy.com and order yours today. And if you mention Punchboard Paradise, you're going to get a free hex tray. About two and a half years ago, <laughs> we reviewed Yinshi. And uh, fellas, do you remember what you gave it? Uh, I believe I gave it a three. It's it was definitely a game that it had some interesting ideas, but ultimately it was a little too long for what you're actually getting out of it. Uh, and there, I mean, from game to game, it was you were doing the exact same thing. So, uh, and it, it's just one that never got back out to the table. Uh, so I, I'm gonna keep it at a three. I, I I never had any ill will towards Yinzi, so I'll, I'll I'll keep mine at a three. In this, we are simpatico, my friend. I gave it a three. It's going to stay at a three for the reasons you mentioned. It didn't over, or it, it overstayed its welcome a bit. It was very interesting in how all the goods were not necessarily your own. That was the really interesting thing. Uh, the events I didn't really care for uh, much, but but that was the crux of it, and that was interesting. And I'd like to see it in, in a game uh, that's a little bit different, maybe moved quicker or uh, had that as more of a part of it than some of the other stuff thrown in. So, yeah, it stays a three. Uh, I agree. Clef? Well, I gave it a four, so I think I like this a little bit better than both of you guys did. You know, I really liked, I really liked the card play. I, I thought that was very interesting. However, I'm going to be quite honest with you. It it became a game that just it didn't come back out. I didn't play it, and I kind of quite honestly, I don't know if I've even played it since we've done the review. And eventually, unfortunately, it left my collection just because I'm not playing it. I'm not I'm not keeping it. So I'm going to have to come down to where you guys are. I think I'm going to turn my four into a three. Still a a good game, you know. Like I said, I mean, but as we just discussed. Right now, good games are just not good enough to stay in the collection and, and, and to play. And uh, still would echo, I think, what I said uh, the last time when we were, you know, when we did review this. Uh, you know, first-time designers Rola and Kosha, I think they did a very excellent job for a first-time design and would very much interested in seeing what new they would come up with. I, I think that that's um, you know, their their initial ideas are good enough that I, I would not check it out. Sure, so, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so Yinchi gets three threes and threes in our look back. Nah, you don't want to go to the punch punch, Chad, to see what they said in the, the forums? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, what did they say, <laughs> Richie? <laughs> well, uh, we posted this question a, a while ago, 
And we got two responses. Uh, both of them said they, they hadn't played it. <laughs> well, that was exciting. Thanks, Richie. <laughs> well, that's kind of what you get with a Spielworks game. I mean, they only print a thousand copies, and uh, yep. it's not cheap because they only print a thousand copies. Yes, it so. in both posts, uh, the the price was kind of the, uh, yeah, is the issue. Yeah, yeah this, is, this was a $100 game, so yeah, I can definitely see that. Well, uh, I guess we need to talk about the draft because uh, we always should address that. So uh, definitely, definitely. Hey, well, you know, okay. So we got to talk about two drafts. We, you know, yeah, we're a little, we got a little behind on the drafts. So. A little bit there. And I think the main thing we need to talk about is that I won one and, and you won one, Richie. <laughs> yes, I. This, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> All right. Oh, wait. So, oh, sorry, Chad. No. <laughs> <laughs> so the the first draft is the the draft that we forgot to talk about last episode, and that was the uh, draft for games you didn't love at first, uh, but turned around on. Uh, Clef took home a victory with 43.8% of the vote. Uh, I came in second with 29.2%, and Chad came in third with 27.1% of the vote. Really because I liked the right games the first time around, but yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Here's the thing. You know, I'll give you that. I, I, I got to give it to him. I gotta you know it. what, Chad? I played Gaia Project this past weekend with Jessica, yep. and we played it twice, and the second play was her idea. Wow, she and, likes it good. Uh, the game is fantastic. It's a great game. Yeah. Uh, so... And it's not, I never didn't like Gaia Project, but I, I just only got to play it once. And? Next year, next year, 18 Chesapeake. <laughs> no. <laughs> and if you like Gaia Project and you like 80s graphics, you can also play this game <laughs> online. I don't know what the site is, but. Uh, board board gamer space? I don't know. I, don't, they, I can't uh, remember. Joe and Richard and Richie, you know, they, they yeah, let's play a game. You know, I'm like, oh, I'll try Gaia Project. And then I got online and I was like, what is this? And now it, Clef has always said that. Just give me a couple. Like you yeah. make the game on a piece of paper and I'll play it. Yeah, true. Which this is basically that. Yeah. And New he's Clef not happy about on it. From that. No, <laughs> come on now. You're on the computer. Come on. You gotta be able to do evidently. Evidently, Clef has a hard time typing "Run Gaia Project" on his Commodore 64 keyboard. I guess so. So that's a problem. Oh boy. Uh, all right, what happened in the other draft? And then in our other draft, which was the the best games of 2020, uh, I came in first place with 56.3% of the vote. Uh, Chad came in second place with 33.3% of the vote. And Clef, 10.4% of the vote. Uh, <laughs> that just shows you 2020 and how bad games it is. Yeah, I uh, uh, spicy and uh, yeah, spicy probably didn't win you any votes. Didn't give me any votes, and uh, I don't know. Probably uh, all bridges burning. I don't that's, even that's, played it. That's yeah. tough because most people probably have not played yeah. that one. Yeah. There are a lot of games yeah. actually that I'm sure a lot of people haven't played yet. Oh, I'm sure. Oh yeah, you know, definitely. Especially yeah, with the pandemic, you're just not out playing a lot yeah. of games yeah. out there. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll chalk that up to that's the reason why I lost that. that draft. <laughs> all right. Well, what, what, do you, what do you have to do, Richie? What does he have to say? What do you have to talk I about? Know, I didn't even think of did you put something on Patreon about punishments? <laughs> yes, it was yeah. no age, age of Steam games is what is no. what the punishment. No, ben, that's a, ben that's a, said Ben said as a punishment is you don't get to play Age of Steam for uh, a week. And I said That's, a, that's punishing oh, was it a week or something. Me. I, said, I said I go that's not a punishment, that's torture. Yes. <laughs> that's a different and thing. And that would be torturing me cuz yeah. I'm hoping yeah. to get an Age of Steam play in over here. So um Absolutely. and I think Corey said something about a tattoo. Yes, I think Corey's done about a tattoo. Corey has been trying to get me to get a tattoo since like I've known him like 15 years ago. It's not going to happen. No one is sticking a needle into my skin repeatedly 
No, it's it not, be a small not even not even Tweety Bird holding a meeple on your calf. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want that to be the punishment. Oh yeah, I think that's. I think uh, Corey put a little pressure on him, and I'll help out. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, uh, a little so, punchboard paradise logo on the arm. There you go. Well, what if we break up? <laughs> you, you always remember you us. <laughs> hey, you can move over that. You, you can make a lot of things out of that. <laughs> that Doctor uh, Who looks a lot like palm trees in a sunset. <laughs> all well, right, all right, all right. I'll talk to Corey. We'll we'll see what we can do here. All right, all right, folks. Well, thank you, Punch Bunch, for listening. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other. All right, everybody. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Punchboard Paradise would like to thank our loyal listeners as well as the publishers and designers that have provided review copies. You can find us at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at punchboarders. We are on Instagram at punchboardparadise and Facebook at punchboardparadise. Well, some would call, uh, you know, just like Richie, some would call him a master debater. And uh, so, you know, that 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 was a possibility there. But uh, <laughs> uh, I'll go in at the end. <laughs> well, all righty then. <laughs> Yixie mama! <laughs>